Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Is tritheism a viable understanding of who God is? Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. And with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. Yesterday, we began looking at an article in the December 2022 edition of the Leahona magazine. It was in the middle section of the magazine, which was meant only for Members Who Live in North America, the United States and Canada. And it was titled, What the First Vision Reveals About the Father and the Son. It was an article written by Mark A. Matthews, who is an adjunct BYU professor, but he also works in the church education department, working with their seminaries and institutes. So we're not talking about an average member in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We're now to the part of his article where he has a subheading that says simply, God the Father. It says, most members of the church recognize that the first vision reveals God to be a separate being from his son, Jesus Christ. But do we understand why this really matters? This is so much bigger than just a theological point. Now, what Mr. Matthews is bringing out, and I think he's correct, the understanding of the Godhead, as far as LDS theology is concerned, is they do not believe that there is one God eternally existing and three persons, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That would be a Trinitarian understanding of the Godhead. When he says most members of the church recognize that the first vision, this would be that time when Joseph Smith claims he was visited by God the Father in Jesus Christ, He says the first vision reveals God to be a separate being from his son, Jesus Christ. Why do we understand why this really matters? What he has just described is what we would call tritheism. In other words, the father is a God, the son is a God, and though he doesn't mention specifically the role of the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit, it would also be taught in Mormonism that the Holy Ghost is a a God. Three separate gods that make up one Godhead. Bill, we use the word person, and we don't believe that God the Father and Jesus are the same being or person. They certainly are God. At the same time, they're separate persons. I think there's a little bit of misunderstanding on Mr. Matthew's part as to what Christianity really teaches, because I think a lot of Latter-day Saints think that somehow the Trinity is a three-headed God. Joseph Smith basically said as much. He said the Trinity was like a monster as far as he was concerned. And there have been a lot of critical statements made about the Trinitarian understanding of God by LDS leaders. But the problem that I have with tritheism, and a problem I wish Mr. Matthews would have with his explanation in this paragraph, is that the tritheistic understanding of God doesn't fit the Old Testament verses from the book of Isaiah, for instance. We have Isaiah 43.10, and I want to read it from the Joseph Smith translation. And the reason why I want to read it from the Joseph Smith translation is, is if this was a real problem for the Latter-day Saints, how come Joseph Smith didn't change this? 
in his Joseph Smith translation. Instead, it reads pretty much like the King James. You are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. The question I would ask is, if there was no God formed before God the Father— and there's no God formed after God the Father, how does Jesus pop into the scene all of a sudden? Was he made at the same time as God the Father? Did he become God at the same time as God the Father became God? Because you have to remember, in Mormon theology, their God was not always God. Their God was once a man at some time, and in the grand scheme of things, Jesus becomes God later after God the Father becomes God. So how does this verse work with them. I don't see it making much sense unless, perhaps, Mr. Matthews takes the position that when it says God, that it's speaking of idols. Well, that doesn't even work, because if you were to change the word God and put the word idols in there, it would read this way, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no idols formed, neither shall there be after me. Well, every idol was formed after God, you would assume, so that wouldn't even fit. And then we take another passage like Isaiah 46 in the Joseph Smith translation. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, and I am the last, and besides me there is no God. Well, Eric, in Mormonism, isn't God the Father a God? Yeah. Is Jesus Christ a God? Sure. Well, wouldn't that make two gods, and if they're one in purpose, two of three in the Godhead, how come it says here, I am the first and I am the last, and besides me there is no God? Well, would that mean Jesus isn't God, or would that mean that God the Father isn't God? You can't have it both ways. And, and then you have verse 8, fear ye not, neither be afraid, have not I told thee from that time, and have declared it, you are even my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? Yea, there is no God, I know not any. Well, in a tritheistic understanding, can we ask, does God the Father know who Jesus is? Does Jesus know who God the Father is? Because here we're finding that, is there a God besides me? Yea, there is no God, I know not any. And you could say, I know not any other God. So in tritheism, that becomes problematic. And that's one reason, folks, why the Christian church never believed tritheism. You will not find that to be an established teaching within Christ's church, even though the LDS church wants to insist that what they believe in practice is what early Christians believed in practice. Early Christians did not believe in tritheism. And what I like about this, Isaiah 43 through 45 especially, talk about this idea that there's only one God, that there cannot be any other. But we have the Dead Sea Scrolls, where we have two full, complete scrolls of Isaiah, showing that this was believed even before the time of Christ. This was an Old Testament teaching, and it certainly was a New Testament teaching as well. These are very important verses, and yet, when the church in 2022 put together its Come, Follow Me curriculum, which I had a chance to review in 2022, and they came to these passages they skipped every single one. They did go into Isaiah 43 and 44 and 45. They did cover those, but they 
did not even touch one of the verses that we like to use, or the ones that you used just now, because they probably just didn't want to uh, to deal with this topic. But if you're a Latter-day Saint, I encourage you to go read those chapters that Bill has just given you and see how often God has made it very clear who he is. Now, Mr. Matthews is going to go on in the next paragraph to cite from the Anglican 39 Articles of Religion. And I might mention that the 39 articles were originally written in 1562, and they went through some revisions. The final revision came about in 1571. So the 39 Articles has been around quite a while and is a statement of faith for the Anglican Church or the Church of England. He wrote, Many people believe God is a being, quote, without body, parts, or passions, end quote. But the first vision reveals that God has a body and form like a man, and that we are literally created in God's image. Although the Bible states this in its first chapter, see Genesis 1.27, the first vision confirms that it is literal. Let me stop you there, Eric, because there's a lot in just those sentences that you read. When he says many people believe God is a being without body parts or passions, that's taken directly from the Anglican 39 Articles of Religion, without body parts or passions. You have to understand, folks, in Mormonism, God has to have a body. He has to have parts because he procreates. He procreated us in the spirit world before we came to earth. So it's necessary for God to have a body, to have parts. But when the 39 Articles says passions. I think many Latter-day Saints, and I would assume Mr. Matthews to be included in this group, he misunderstands what the Anglican Church means by passions. It's not at all implying that God does not have emotions like love or concern or patience or things like that. We see on numerous occasions in the Old Testament in particular how God shows his patience, he shows his love, he shows his concern for his nation Israel. And yet, sometimes I think Latter-day Saints look at that word passions as if that's impossible for God to show. That's not what it's talking about. Basically, what that phrase, without body, parts, or passions, is referring to, and I challenge you, go look at some commentaries written by Anglicans explaining that phrase and what it means. Basically, what it's referring to is that God is free from bodily desires and impulses, You're not going to change God's mind because he doesn't need new information. He knows all things from beginning to end. Nothing is going to surprise him. Nothing is going to make him take this traditional understanding of a course correction. That won't happen with God. God is consistent. He's been consistent from eternity past, and he will be consistent into eternity future. That cannot be said for the God of Mormonism. Joseph Smith claimed that his God was once a human being, and in talking with many Latter-day Saints, you might be surprised to know that there are many Latter-day Saints who have no problem whatsoever believing that their God, the one they call Heavenly Father, that while he was a human being just like us, probably had a sin nature just like us, and sinned who knows how many times. How bad those sins were or could have been, they don't know, but they have no problem in believing that their God, when he was a human like we are humans, that he was probably a sinner just like us. I have a huge problem with that 
Because if God was a sinner just like us in his humanity as they understand it, then who is he to tell me that I'm not supposed to be sinning? Who is he to punish me? And Mormons do believe there is a punishment if I don't do everything that God wants me to do. My punishment will be I will not be able to get into the celestial kingdom to become a god myself. I will be banished outside of the celestial kingdom to the terrestrial kingdom. Or even worse, I could go to the telestial kingdom. So there is a punishment. But who is God to tell me that I shouldn't do these things if he, in fact, was involved in sinful practices also? You see why this becomes very problematic for me as a New Testament Christian. When Mr. Matthews goes on to say that although the Bible states this in its first chapter in reference to Genesis 1.27, states what? That we are literally created in God's image. What he's doing is he's zeroing in on Genesis 1.27 as if the word image merely refers to our bodies. No, no, no. It's much more than that. And in tomorrow's show, we want to look more closely at the verse that Mr. Matthews brings up. That is Genesis 1.27. We're going to read it not only from the King James Version, but we're going to read it from the Joseph Smith translation as well. And I think you're going to see we have another inconsistency In LDS theology, and I would also go so far as to say another inconsistency in Mr. Matthew's understanding of what the Bible is saying. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.